Matthew and the team, James, leading us in this time of worship prayer together. And I'm thankful to be here. My name is Richie, our lead pastor, and I am so glad that God got you in the room today. And I am so humbled to be a part of a church that's so passionate about people. We are on a mission together to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And that mission just fills us with a sense of urgency and passion and compassion to help people know the love of God. We know what love is because Jesus first loved us. It was his love and his sacrifice on the cross that we just celebrated that gives us a picture of what love really is and how we learn to love our friends, our family, our city around us. And man, this is how the world is reached, is when you and I learn to love, when we learn to sacrifice, when we learn to give, when we learn to be Jesus' church the way he intended us to be. And so, man, I am glad that you're here today and our prayer is that you would be equipped, inspired today, challenged even today to become a part of Jesus' church and not sit idly by, but actually be all in saying, how, God, do I be a disciple who learns to make disciples? What does that look like for me? How do I get connected into a group? How do I start discipling other people? That is our prayer for every one of us here, that we would grow to maturity in Christ, a disciple who actually knows how to make disciples of Jesus, no matter how old you are, how many years you've been in the church. Maturity is us loving the way Jesus have loved us and discipling and growing people around us become who God made them to be. And so that card on your seat is a way for us to go, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what I need. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's how I can use some prayer. Uh, it's a way for us to be connected together as a church. It's a way for you to go, I need to be in a group. I'm not in a group. We've got 465 people in groups around here and you're not one of them. God's going, get in a group. You need to be discipled. Maybe you need to know how to make disciples. That happens in a group as well. We would love for you to be a part of this. Put that info on that card. Drop that in the box in a minute when you leave, uh, well, in a lot of minutes when you leave, uh, we, uh, we are, are so excited to help you take your next steps today. Uh, other thing is this, we've, been, um, we've just been kind of on, a, on, a, on an emotional just wave of excitement, what God has done. We, we give financially around here, and sometimes you get to really feel the direct impact of that giving, and other times maybe it feels just like a, a step of obedience and that's all the emotion behind it. But today is a, is a special day because uh, yesterday we got to bless over 3,000 people and help kids get back to school. I mean, when you, you think of what happened yesterday, it was, it was probably about a $40,000 event with all the shoes that were donated, all the hot dogs that were grilled, all of the cotton candy that was spun so masterfully, all of the, um, uh, oh, the snow cone flavoring that was covering every young person that uh, their legs were so sticky, their, their, their shoes were ruined. Um, and it was a day of generosity. It was a day of blessing. It was a day of, of learning to be Jesus Church together. And I am just so thankful for what God did through you yesterday. And I'm so proud to be a part of a church that actually puts their money where their mouth is. That, that they're not just talking a good game and going, oh yeah, we should love people in our city, but you're actually doing it. And, and man, that is such a powerful witness. Jesus said, they're gonna know, the world is gonna know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And, and it's tangible, isn't it? It's not just words, it's not lip service, it's actual actions. And so many of you uh, were a part of such a powerful day yesterday. I just can't help but just be thankful. I mean, it was a day where I, I, I was so thankful to see you know, close to, I think it's close to 1,200 pairs of shoes came in and were given away yesterday. Our goal was 1,000 pairs of shoes. 
We went over that by a couple hundred pairs of shoes. And, and not only that, but every shoe was so perfectly matched to the kid. The little girl that wanted sparkly slip-ons, she got them yesterday. I mean, it was like so cool to see Jesus in the details, not, not just in the big idea of love, but in the very detail of what's her name, what kind of shoes does she want, what size is she? They were on her feet as she walked out of this place yesterday. That is a miracle. You can't just like glaze over that, like, oh, that was a cool event. No, that was a miracle that she got those shoes and, and that God used you to be a part of that and, and that you and I uh, got to see him working so, so many tangible ways. I was thinking about Chance out here playing basketball all day with kids. Man, Chance, you were a, a trooper. You were sweating like a dog and you just kept rebounding and you kept smiling and you just kept loving those kids uh, with a basketball, you know, just like you just kept feeding them and, and they had so much fun. I was thinking about uh, Heather and her team in here with the, the shoes and, and all the patience that all of you had as you were meeting with so many families. I was talking to one gal this morning. She had a family of 15 people in her circle. I don't even know how they're all related, but they were all, you know, together going, we need shoes for all these kids. Like the patience, the love, uh, the way that you just sacrifice and serve was so amazing. I am super thankful for Shell Bruises. If you don't know her, she, uh, she has been working tirelessly through the last several weeks to make sure every detail of this event was together and all the coordination behind the scenes that you will never see. Shell deserves a lot of credit for what God did through her. We can celebrate her today. Uh, I, I, I am so thankful. Also, uh, for Jennifer Martin, she was uh, uh, our site lead down at Grant Elementary. Uh, it was so cool to see God use her. She stepped into a, a new role this year. Blown away. I was blown away that down at Grant, we were able to serve uh, Ukrainian families that had been displaced by the war. And, and here they are in Spokane, not just going back to school, but a new school in a new city in a new country where they have no idea what this life is like here. And you were there. You met them in the place of, of this crazy amount of uncertainty. God used you to be a, a source of strength and encouragement to them. Uh, uh, so many people were blessed as you were just faithful in serving yesterday. And I am so, so blown away. There was one particular moment that just, just grabbed my heart. Um, when we were sorting shoes this week, we had you know, piles and piles of shoes down at our One Heart Center. And, and there was one pair of Jordan 1s. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you shoot people in the room. And they were size 14. And we were like, wow, is this a like for real thing? Somebody bought Jordan 1s. I mean, these are like $200 pair of shoes because I only saw three hands go up. And when I said Jordan 1s, <laughs> coveted by teenagers, okay? These are like an amazing uh, pair of shoes. And, and they were up here. They, they landed in our, in our pile up here up north yesterday. And, um, and in walked a, a young teenage boy that... Um, was tall, and uh, we didn't know how big his feet were until he stepped on the, that Brannock and, and uh, size 14. And um, the, the team in the back that was um, helping to sort the shoes, several of them walked the shoes out because they wanted to see, who is this kid? Is he really going to fit in size 14? And, and does he know he's about to get Jordan 1s right now? And, and, and uh, this kid's face just lit up. I mean, to be able to walk into school with, with this pair of shoes, with a sense of pride, a sense of dignity, uh, man, I just can't imagine as a teenage boy going to an event like, oh, great, I'm going to get some free pair of shoes, and I'm going to have to sport those all year long, and, and to see the joy that he got 
in those shoes is just such a gift. I mean, God and God alone can do those kinds of things. You know what I mean? And, and, and all of the generosity and all the work and all the effort, man, we're all tired, man. If, if you are exhausted like I am, it, it's such a good feeling, though, of going, man, we were right where Jesus wanted us to be yesterday. And so some of you missed it. Some of you didn't get a chance to kind of see and hear all. I want to just give you a glimpse today of what God did yesterday. Watch this. Isn't it? What a gift to be a part of what Jesus is calling us to as a people, as a church. And man, if you didn't get a chance to be a part of it, I, I just want you to know that our hope as sharing all of this is that, that the joy of what God did yesterday and the gratitude would overflow to all of our hearts, that you would feel a sense of like, wow, we did this. We are all together in this. Even if you felt like maybe you missed out together as Jesus Church, we are becoming a blessing to this city. We are becoming a people who actually love people right where they're at. And this has always been, I would say, a cornerstone of what, what, what our passion is as a people around here, is that we would authentically be Jesus Church, not just talk about it, but actually live it, that our lives would reflect everything that Jesus has taught. To be a disciple of Jesus is to, to be baptized in, in water the way he was, but then to obey everything he has commanded us to do and who he's called us to be. And so this is a passion of ours, and, and, and I want you to get to know more and more this passion in your own life. To be a conduit of Jesus' love this way is such a big deal for us, and I'm so, so thankful as a church that we got to, to carry this yesterday, and I am so thankful that we get to celebrate it today, and I believe that God's going to use this to continue to shape us for the future that he has in mind for each of us. As we look to God's word together today, we're going to start towards the end of the book of James. We've been studying the book of James all summer long. We're going to start the last chapter, chapter 5 today. And, and as we looked at this earlier this year when we were putting this series together, we were like, oh, great. James 5, 1 through 6, lands on One Heart Sunday. <laughs> and we were like, ah, because it's all about the trap of wealth, of money, and, and, and kind of the mindset around money. But as we started to really pray through it, we looked at it as, no, this is a gift. God's given us a great celebration yesterday to help frame the backdrop of this conversation that James wants to bring us into today. And so here's my hope is that as we look to God's word today, you would open your Bible, get your Bible app out, that you'd go 
Google this if you don't know where the book of James is, but you'd get to James chapter 5, verse 1 is where we're going to kick off today, and that you would just allow God to speak to you today, and that your heart would be softened. And so I want to pray, thank God for yesterday, and just get our hearts ready for this word today. Lord, we need you now. We trust you to be here with us. We trust you to be speaking and moving and leading and, and, and uh, God, working. You, you have comfort for those who are afflicted. You have joy for those who are in despair. You have peace for those that are in the midst of anxiety, God. You have strength for the weak. You have healing for the broken. You are so good, God. You are so good. You proved that so many times yesterday, God. Every stick of cotton candy, every snow cone, God, every bit of that day, God, is all for you and your glory, God. You get all the credit for what you did in people's lives and through us together as a church, God. And now, as we look to your word, we ask that you would speak, that that backdrop of grace yesterday would just illuminate this conversation today, God. We ask that you would be here powerfully with us in this time, that you'd help me. I don't want to say too much or too little, God. Uh, help all of us, God, just to have a heart after you in this time. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 5, verse 1 is where I want to go. James is warning people who have gotten caught up in a trap. I would say more of a seduction. I drank a cup of Starbucks this morning because I was dead as I drove up. And, um, have you ever looked at the Starbucks logo? It's a siren. You know what the siren is. If you, anybody English majors in the room, if you remember the story of Odysseus on his odyssey, uh, there was this um, shoreline that was crazy and treacherous. Um, and there were sirens, these mythical creatures that would sing a, a very seductive song and lure sailors off of their course and to their death. Kind of makes you rethink Starbucks, doesn't it? Uh, for, for a second. <laughs> like, what are they doing? They're selling you death. It's going to be awesome. No, I, I love coffee. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's a picture that, that symbolizes this, this seduction. And I think wealth becomes one of those subtle songs that gets sung in our lives and in our minds and by our culture constantly leading us and drawing us away from the purpose of God and the, the plan of God for our lives, I'm not saying money is bad or, or wealth is bad, but, but there's, this, there's this subtle shift that can start to happen in our hearts if we're not careful, if we're not paying attention. And James is wanting to wake some people up who are heading for certain death. They're heading to a, to a shoreline that is going to destroy their ship. And, and he's coming very partially in this passage. And so hear it with that urgency, hear it with that understanding in this backdrop. James chapter 5, verse 1. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Welcome to real life today. You're like, wow, okay. Uh, interesting comment here just before we dive in is nobody ever thinks they're rich. He says, listen, you rich people. And the tendency might be to kind of check out, well, I'm not them. I just say it like this. Like, if you got spare change around in your, in your, in your dash, in your car, on your dresser, at home, uh, you're among the top 1% to 2% wealthiest people in the world. We're insulated, and we are indoctrinated with a sense of comparison, and everybody else has got it better than us. 
Everybody else has got more and, and better things and their car drives itself. Like, what is my problem, right? There's, there's all these other kind of lures for us. And so we have this tendency to never think of ourselves as rich people. But I want you to engage here because we're, we are way more wealthy than we think we are. Listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. This made me think about, I did a wedding this summer and um, I pulled out an old suit jacket. When I first started in ministry, I started at a big fancy church in Tacoma and we had to wear suits every Sunday. We had to wear a jacket and tie to the office. I was like 21, 22 when they hired me. I owned zero suits at that point, and they paid me like six bucks an hour, so I could not afford a suit. Uh, I got one given to me, and it was like my suit. I wore the whole backside out of this suit uh, when I was uh, working there because it was the only suit I had, and so I just kept wearing this thing. Well, the pants are long gone, but the jacket, I'm like, oh, I got a wedding. This is going to be great. We pulled it out of the closet. I'm not kidding you. It had like holes eaten all through this hole. We pulled out a Sharpie. We're like, ghetto pastor coming to do your wedding. I am like, I am, I'm coloring in all the holes with a Sharpie trying to cover them up. Anyway, you, the moths have eaten your clothes. This is a real thing. It happens. Your, your gold, your silver, they are corroded, he says. Their corruption will actually testify against you and, this is awesome, eat your flesh like fire. Eat your flesh like fire. Wow. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. <laughs> this is imagery of like a calf that is being raised specifically for the big party next year, and the calf has no idea. Just keep eating. Yeah, we want you fat. We want you uh, really good eating. And, and he's saying, this is what you're like if you're not paying attention to your mindset around money. You have condemned and murdered innocents who were not opposing you. James comes after people in this passage because I think that the, the seduction around wealth is so powerful and so secret. It's, it's quiet. It's subtle. It just sneaks into our hearts, and he's going, hey, I don't want you to fall in this trap. I don't want you to shipwreck your lives. I don't want you to end up with this kind of mindset. And, and given a, the backdrop of yesterday and all the generosity that flowed through us as a people, I think this is a really awesome time to talk about this and go, hey, Let's pay attention to the way we think about money. James is going, hey, I want you to pay attention to your thoughts around it, how you live with it, what you think about it, how you, how you navigate it, because if you're not careful, it is going to lure you to those rocks, and your life could be completely shipwrecked by an empty pursuit, by a, by a temporary thing that will never satisfy, that will never allow your heart to be what it could be. So... Today, I want to just kind of help us with this. How do we have a mindset about money that's helpful, that's good, that's godly, and not allow ourselves to get seduced by this siren of wealth? First, if you're taking notes today, I would write it down like this, is James helps us to see that money will not last. He's like, your gold, it's corroded. Moths have eaten your suit jackets. Um, you know, people are laughing at the holes in your clothes. It's, it's not something that's going to be eternal. There is only one thing that is on this planet that is eternal, and that is human souls. 
When we tithe, when we give here, we, when, we, when we give shoes away yesterday, when we give haircuts, we are not just giving a haircut, we are giving dignity to a soul. We are saying to a person that you matter, that you are loved, that God sees you. That impact is an eternal impact. That person is going to live forever, either in heaven with God or in hell separated from God. And because of that, there's an urgency around how we view money that we don't just view it as a temporary commodity. You got to have money. You got to, you know, commerce and economy and all that stuff happens only through money. That's how our world is set up. But that we don't allow ourselves to get sucked into temporary thinking like this is all there is and this is all that matters. And I need more so that this life can be better. If we're not careful, that's how temporary our thoughts get and people will run over them we'll ignore them, we'll be too busy for them because we gotta make money, because we gotta get more. It's this thing that, if we're not careful, just rules our hearts. Money will not last. He said it's rotted, it's corroded. (laughs) Your clothes have been eaten. Proverbs 23 says it so well in verse four. Do not wear yourself out to get rich, he says. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Have you ever seen that emoji with the stack of dollar bills and the wings on it? That's what I think of in this moment right here. It's like, that's money. It's just flying away. Don't allow your heart to get consumed with like, oh, if I get there, when I get there, when I get this much or I get that thing, that comparison and that that desire for more and more and more is a trap. And it will not last. It will not make an impact eternally. It is is something that that is so temporary and, and it's so easy to get sucked into thinking that this is all that matters. Paul writes to Timothy, He's trying to help the church that Timothy pastors in Ephesus, and he's saying, hey, here's how I want you to pastor this church. Here's what I want you to tell people about money. First Timothy chapter six, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. If you're circling something in your Bible, that's the one right there. Wealth is so uncertain. It sprouts wings and flies away. But put their hope in God, listen, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You gotta hear this about the nature of our God. He's not trying to squish you and make your life miserable and go, you can't have money because money will ruin you and so you just need to be poor and destitute and life needs to be hard and and, and you just gotta be miserable. Congratulations, welcome to the kingdom. He's not saying that. He loves to provide you with everything for your enjoyment. Think about that. That's our God. That's how good he is. He's not trying to hold you back. He's trying to keep you focused on where your hope really should be. Not in wealth, not in riches, not in yourself, not like the Proverbs said, your own cleverness. No, no, no. It needs to be in God. And our God is such a good God that he loves to provide, not just kind of get by and hope life isn't too horrible for you, but he loves to richly provide. He loves to provide things for your enjoyment. Man, that is a gift that God is that good. So this is what Paul says to Timothy in verse 18. He says, command them then to do good. Command them to do good and to be rich in a different way, in good deeds. That's like yesterday. 
I want you to, I want you to serve and sacrifice, and I want you to, to be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. Not begrudging. One of our rules yesterday was like no stinginess allowed. Like we're just going to give shoes away. We want every hot dog. You, you know, like kids want five bags of chips. Great. That's great. You know, like whatever, you know, just like let's go. Let's love people. I want you to be generous and willing to share. In this way, you will lay up treasure for himself as a firm foundation in the coming age. Coming age, big phrase right here. It's important to hear this. It mimics Jesus' teaching. If you are going to have my heart, then you're going to realize that, that treasures here on this earth will not last. But, but if you would store up treasure for yourself in heaven, moths, they can't get to heaven. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Rust does not exist in heaven. Corrosion does not exist in heaven. When you and I begin to lay up treasures for ourselves as a firm foundation in the coming age, in all of eternity, he says this, you will take hold of life that is truly life. When you recognize that, that God has given you a spirit, a soul inside you that's eternal, and so does every other human being walking on this planet, and God is building a kingdom that is going to last and reign for all of eternity, and he wants every human soul to be in his kingdom. And the only way into his kingdom is through the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, to be forgiven of our sin and recognize that we need a savior who is Jesus Christ. The message of that hope and that salvation, he wants to get through his people. And so when you and I learn to love the way God has loved us first, when we learn to serve the way Jesus served, when we learn to sacrifice the way Jesus sacrificed, when we walk the way Jesus walked and love the way he loved, this world starts to take notice like, oh, these people aren't just here for themselves and their own wealth and their own riches. They care about something bigger and greater. What is that? There is an age to come and we are a people that are gonna last forever and we have a passion to help as many people as possible know the kingdom of God, know the king who is our savior and be in his kingdom forever, amen? This is our passion and this is who we are gonna be and who we wanna be known as. When you and I get seduced into wealth thinking this is all there is, we, we will miss this opportunity to love the way Jesus called us to love. Money will not last. I have two more points in seven minutes, so let's, let's go, okay? Second is this, uh, compromise will be uncovered. James says, hey, um, there's, there's wages that you failed to pay the workers. There is cheating that you have done. And um, the voices of those that have been cheated, um, their, their voices are coming to the ears of the Lord Almighty. This is terrifying. But when you and I become... Uh, uncontent, we lack contentment, we are willing to compromise. We cheat, we steal, we, um, we work the system, we, we uh, get after the social security, we, we try to finagle the government, uh, we try to figure out ways. And usually it doesn't start as this big gross sin like, oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to um, ruin you know, my life with a bunch of choices around um, dishonesty. I'm not going to pay my taxes, whatever it is. We don't start out that way. But when we lack contentment, we can get there really quick. And James is just saying, hey, our God is a God of justice. And he recognizes injustice. And he hears the cries of those that have been, been cheated. And so for you and I to kind of take a step back and go, whoa, 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 what is my view of money? Has it become something that, 
that I've actually fallen into a trap of a lack of contentment and I gotta get more no matter what. That's a dangerous, slippery slope. And James is going, you don't even, you don't even wanna go there. You don't wanna allow your heart to get stuck in this spot where, where your confidence is in yourself and your ability to manipulate and work things and work systems and work people. Man, because that lack of contentment will lead to compromise. And the, the path from this is to go, okay, we are not going to be a people who lack contentment. We are going to learn contentment because contentment comes as we learn to put our confidence in God. And we recognize that when our confidence is in God, we have an opportunity for God to be God. He, he now can be our provider. He can be the one who actually uh, um, becomes our provision in this life. That we don't got to work systems and people and manipulate to get what we want. We, we can trust that God is good and he is our provider and he knows exactly what we need. And, and there is a great contentment that comes when we see this. Paul writes to the Philippian church in chapter 4. I know these guys are up here. Don't worry. We, we still got some good stuff here. He says, I know what it is to be in need, Paul says. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Look at what he does here. You know, some of us are in need and some of us are in plenty. Both ends of that spectrum need contentment. He said, I know what the secret is. I've learned to be content in any and every situation. Some of us go, well, I would be content if I was in plenty, <laughs> but I'm in need. And Paul's going, no, no, no. Contentment is so much different in any and every situation. Listen to what he says. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, this is the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. God, you are my source of strength. You are my source of life. You are my source of finances. You are my source. No one else, nothing else. You may use the government. You may use the job you gave me. You may use my boss. However you choose to provide for me, God, I am all in for that. But you are my provider. You are my source. You are my strength. Contentment is putting your confidence in God, not in circumstances, not in manipulation, not in stealing. Compromise will be uncovered. And finally, how do you think about money as the last piece? The self-indulgence is actually self-sabotage. I want you to hear this from James. It's like, hey, you've been fattening yourself for the day of slaughter. You didn't know it was the day of slaughter because all you were consumed with is yourself, making sure you had more and you had this and you had the next thing or whatever it is that's kind of grabbed your eye or your attention. This self-indulgence always leads to self-sabotage. I think that this is just a sobering way to just kind of consider for a second and go, wow, have I, have I allowed money to become this like self-indulgent thing in my heart? Am I allowing my... my life to be drug away by my own desires. God is so good that he gives us practices in our life to help combat a lack of contentment, to combat self-indulgence. If we're talking about food, God gave us a mechanism 
called fasting. You struggle with overindulgence. Think of just this opportunity to go, you know what, I'm going to discipline my life and my body. I'm actually going to deny myself food and focus all of my attention on God. He gave us moments like yesterday of extreme generosity to be reminded of Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's days like yesterday that you go, oh yeah, yeah it is. I had so much fun. What a joy to be able to see those smiles on those kids' face. Did you see that kid looking at himself in the mirror with the haircut? You're like, yes, there's so much more blessed to give than to receive. God gives us a tithe, 10% of our income. It's every paycheck. It's not when you get around to it. It's, it's always the first and it's the best of what God has given us. We give it to the local church that we are a part of. He's given us this tithe as a mechanism, a routine in our lives to be reminded that God is my provider. He is in charge of these finances. He's asked me for 10%. And so I'm gonna be obedient. Even though I don't feel like being obedient, I'm gonna be obedient. I'm not gonna give him what's left over because that's disobedience. That's me in charge. Think of the, a month where you tithe. God, this is my first and my best. Now I'm trusting you to provide for the rest of this month. It's a massive place of faith. I don't know how you're going to do it, God. I'm going to do my best to steward things and not spend more and all this stuff, but God, you have got to provide. These are all mechanisms built to, to break bondage in our hearts. Self-indulgence is bondage. It's a chain. It's, it's slavery to a thing to money, to whatever it is. And he goes, no, I want you to be free. I want to sever those ties to your heart. That siren that's singing your song right now, I want, to, I want her dead and gone in your life. I want that stuff to never control you again. So let me give you these practices that help keep your, your ears closed from those songs. The world is screaming at you constantly. And it's not a, a mean scream, it's a seductive scream. It's a sermon that's being preached all the time at you. You gotta have more, it's gotta be better, it's gotta look nicer than theirs. And that seduction is just drawing us away from the things of God. And James is going, no, 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 no. Come back. Come back to God's way of thinking about money. Come back to God's way of seeing how this all should work. I love 2 Corinthians 8. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he's writing about a church in Macedonia, another region. He's making a collection for the saints that are in Jerusalem that are enduring great persecution. Listen to what he says to the Corinthians. He says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their life was not good. They were persecuted. They were sick. There was disease. In the midst of this very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Huh. Nothing was set up well for them to be generous, but listen, all of that welled up in them to rich generosity. He says, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Listen. That church pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You cannot deny us the opportunity to be able to bless that church in Jerusalem. 
We want to be a part of this miracle of providing for these, these families that are being persecuted and sick. We want to be a part of this. Do not deny us this opportunity. Think about how, how easy it is for life to be busy, finances to be tight, and us to go, we can't afford to tithe. We can't give. We can't get shoes. We can't do these things. And these guys become a testimony to us to go. And in the midst of a severe trial and extreme poverty, they gave even beyond what they were able to give as a, as a demand almost. Let us be a part of, of this blessing to those that are in need. Man, God wants us to be a different kind of people. A people who trust that He is good, He's in control, He is our provider. Days like yesterday become such a picture for us to go, God, you are so good. When your church is your church, it is such a joy. It is such a blessing to be a part of a people that live with generosity, that live with, with this humility around finances. God, you are so good. This is the kind of people we want to be. Who James calls us to be in this passage is, is I believe, somebody that, that all of us want to be. So my hope today is that God would be stirring something in your heart. The gratitude of what he did yesterday, the conviction around this passage to make some changes in our mindset around money. But all of that said, God loves every single one of us and has drawn you to himself. Do not resist his drawing. Whatever step he's given you to take today, take it. If some of you have never said yes to Jesus, you need to be baptized. I want to call you to take that step today. In fact, we got some people here in a moment that are going to be baptized. I'd love for you to even head to the back in a minute. We got a song we're going to sing together. We're going to worship together. Maybe that's your chance to respond. We'll help you take that step today. Some of you, you just need to worship. You're just so thankful. I want you to just stand to your feet with me today, if you would, all over this place. This is a moment for us just to, just to be close to God. Just close your eyes. Maybe you just need to lift your hands and worship right now. Thanking God for His grace in your life, His provision in your life, His faithfulness yesterday over people. Let's just sing this song together today in a place of worship and in response to what God is doing in our lives. Come on, let's worship together.